This is the I Love Success Podcast. I'm Peter Jurukowski, and I have made a vow to myself to help as many people as possible to achieve their dreams. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success Podcast. First of all, thank you so much for being here, listening to this show, or watching uh, I'm grateful to have you here. I set out on a mission about 290 episodes ago. That's, I think it's about five years or so to help at least 10 million people in 10 years to go after their dreams. We are halfway on the timeline, but we have a lot of people to help. So first of all, thank you for being here. If you enjoy the show, please give us a review, share this with somebody. Uh, we're doing all of this for free. That doesn't mean it doesn't have any value. It actually has a lot of value. I'm bringing in people from all over the world that have excelled in their field. So take notes, listen in and enjoy the show. And I'm really, really excited to have a fellow martial artist here today on the show. Uh, he has uh, been doing martial arts basically his whole life. And uh, I think he started when you were eight and become a world champion twice in uh, Taekwondo. And I think that says a lot about his character and who he is. He works in the real estate field right now with uh, mortgage and lending. And today we're going to focus deeply on the mindset of uh, what you can learn from martial artists and people that go through the hard work to, be, to excelling something. So please enjoy. And without further ado, let's welcome Arjun Dingra to the I Love Success podcast. Thanks for having me on, Peter. I'm I'm pumped too, man. I'm a big fan of your work, obviously, and your mission to help so many people. And then also, of course, always getting the chance to rap with a fellow martial artist is is something I never say no to. Yeah, it's incredible, and and I love that we got connected. And uh, a question that I want to kind of start with is to go back to that you know eight year old kid in Reno. Like, what was going on? in your head, in your mind, and why martial arts? Well, it, uh, it was, you know, at the time <clears throat> that I got started, which was when I was eight years old, the Karate Kid was a really big deal. The original Karate Kid, not the one with Jaden Smith, but the original Karate Kid with Ralph Macchio. And, uh, you know, he was, if everyone remembers the movie, because everyone's seen it, you know, he was, he was bullied. He was the new kid in town in California when he had moved there from the East Coast. And, was going through a really tough time. And then he met an, you know, a, a very kind man who taught him karate and the rest was all history. So I really identified with this guy because I used to get bullied a lot in school when I was at that age that I'd watched the movie like first and second grade. So got bullied a lot. And then I, you know, after watching the movie, I got really excited and inspired. And then I told my mom, I want to do karate. I want to, you know, put me in a karate class. My mother didn't know. She just went through the yellow pages back when these existed. Uh, most of your audience will not even know what that is, but that was a big <laughs> phone directory that all of us had to use before Google ever came out when you needed to look something up. So she just looked through the yellow pages for karate and there was a class at a YMCA. It wasn't karate, it was Taekwondo. And she took me there. I still remember the first class she took me because I got really scared when we got there. And she, I didn't want to go out on the mat with everybody. And she just dragged me on the mat and embarrassed me in front of everyone. Like she came on the mat and then just told the instructor, it's his first day, he's here. And then that was it. So that's how I got started in uh, in martial arts at the age of eight. It's it's incredible. It's funny that 
Karate Kid for me was also the the movie that made me, my father is my sensei, but I never wanted to train karate. So I always went to the sports hall and, you know, played around. But I remember vividly when I watched the Karate Kid, there is a scene when Mr. Miyagi talks to Daniel San and says, either you do karate do yes or karate do no. If you walk on the road, sooner or later you get squished like grape. And that day, I think I was six or something. I told my father, starting now, I'm going to train karate. And just hearing somebody from completely different part of the world, you know, having the same thoughts. And I know there's so many kids out there and that's the power of storytelling, right? And, and how that can affect a person's life. And, 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 and that's just incredible. So let's talk about that journey. So you were a shy kid, uh, and at that point, like, how did you, how did you start to like martial arts? Well, I, you know, I, when I got into it, I was actually, I've always been an extrovert. Okay. The problem yeah. was I was just very different because I grew up in a very, in a very small and not very ethnic part of town. And okay. so I was the only, you know, minority students within the class for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and so I was always the odd man out. Plus, like, I didn't. I didn't fit in, at least in the way I was dressed. My parents grew up in India, so they went to private, you know, to strict convent schools. So they were always dressed up. So they dressed me up for school. So I was literally dressed like I was going for a job a lot of time as a first grader and second grader, but I was going to school. And so that made me, you know, I already stick out enough. And then this is like, you know, I'm an easy target for a lot of other kids. But I got into the martial arts in hopes that, you know, I become more confident and I think, you know, like every kid, you just think you want to become this like weapon, you know, and you want to be this like, you know, this fighting machine or whatever, which is, as you know, as a traditional martial artist, that is the complete opposite premise of what martial arts is for. Martial arts was designed in, at least in the ancient world with the original arts, the Shodokan, the Karate, the Kempo, Judo, Taekwondo, yeah. uh, all of these things were for to promote peace and to help the people who were the more underserved, the non-military uh, members of society to be able to either defend themselves and use their feet and hands in combat if needed and when needed. But other than that, it was to promote good human beings and peace. So of course, I didn't understand that as a child. I got it because I wanted to turn into some kind of fighting machine that no one would <laughs> mess with anymore. So I got started in it. But then as time went on, and I'll tell you really when the switch went off, actually, I got my black belt when I was 11 yeah. so uh, that would have been my fifth grade year yeah. and a month not even a, yeah about a month after getting my black belt the kid the specific kid who had always tormented and bullied me systematically since kindergarten kindergarten first grade second grade third grade fourth grade now fifth grade on the last day of school I ended up getting into a physical uh fight with him yeah because somebody somebody else provoked it i didn't want to start the fight i was never going to start the fight but walking home the fight ended up this ended up happening is the long and short of it he didn't have to go very far after i was done with him because we did it on his front lawn so he just went right inside his house after i (laughs) it probably lasted like two minutes if that but i felt terrible and i remember calling my mother and told her now of course my mom who's been hearing her son cry for years about this kid this particular kid who's been tormenting her son she was ecstatic she said you beat the shit out of him that's great i'm so happy i said but mom that's not like i said i know i but i don't feel happy like i feel really bad like that i didn't do what i've been taught and that's when 
I realized that this is not to ever hurt people with, you know, and he wasn't hurt badly. I mean, it was just, you know, it's the way two fifth graders would probably end up in a fight, but this time it just involved kicking, which normally most fights at that age don't. It's just kids (laughs) wrestling with each other and getting on the ground and then somebody breaks them up. But I managed to land a few kicks that he didn't expect. And then nice. (laughs) But I talked to my mom about it. And then I, you know, I ended up having a talk with my instructor at the time uh, afterwards, because she said, let's, let's talk to him about how you're feeling and see. And I expressed, you know, my kind of not such great feeling about all of it. And he said, yeah, you know, like it's because, you know, you, You've been provoked for so long, and this is only to defend yourself with, but you're feeling guilty because you used it and it ended up almost hurting somebody. Yeah. And uh, then I became friends with a guy. And then, you know, in sixth grade, we, we were friends and then we moved on. But that was my that was my kind of reckoning period with it to understand. And then the journey with it just went along that way, you know, and that, that that's the long and short of it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think that the thing with with martial art, especially, it attracts a lot of kids just like you and me were different or didn't find a place to fit in really in the world. But through martial arts, you get that type of confidence. And when you wear that uh, karate gi or taekwondo gi, it's... uh, Sorry, it's motorcycles here in Marina Del Rey. When you... When you put that on, it's kind of like the playing field is leveled. You you work out, and that's how you improve. It doesn't matter where you come from and how you look like. How, as far as a confidence standpoint, how how did martial arts help you? It's helped me immensely. Everything in my daily life stems from some lesson or something I learned as a martial artist that was a practitioner, as an athlete that used to compete, or even now as the coach of the U.S. team, the co-head coach. Yeah. Something in those worlds will always trickle down to my day-to-day life and what I'm doing as a professional, you know, someone who advises clients in real estate and uh, anything else that I do. So martial arts and, you know, all of this in terms of approaching life as a process and a chance to get better. Like every day for me as a professional who serves clients and creates content to try and reach as many people as possible and impact the same way you do. I want to help people make better financial decisions, you know, and so I want to impact people that way because it's not taught enough in this country. In fact, there's very little financial literacy. So every day in the office is a chance for me to get better at that. And that's the same mentality and mantra I had as a martial artist. Every day in the dojang, when I put on the the dobok, we call in Korean, the uniform in Japanese, that is a chance to get better, right? And there's a great responsibility that comes with wearing that uniform uh, because of the, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of years of work that has been done for that craft and its development in places far, far away from here. So I feel that great sense of responsibility uh, you know, from just in, in that example. And then of course there's many others, but that's one particular way in a general sense that I really see martial arts impacting my day-to-day life and how it applies to, you know, what I'm doing. And then of course the general work ethic, you know, like understanding that, you know, just like you experienced, and I'm sure you had a very, uh, very immersive curriculum as well with your father being your actual sensei, right? Like there was no shortcuts or any ease for you. Like you've got to do the work in order to get to the next stages. And I think life is that way too. There's no shortcuts. There's no free lunches. So I take that and kind of apply it, you know, and from a cultural standpoint in my office with my team and the people that work with me. And so it just bleeds in everywhere. 
And anyone who does martial arts that's an audience member of yours that listens to this podcast will hopefully be able to relate to that because especially if it's a traditional martial art, then we all we all understand that same uh, that same premise. Yeah, I believe that every kid should at some point do some type of martial arts, if not martial arts, at least a sport, because you learn so much of these important life lessons that help you. And I, I want to read something to you. I just going to pull it up here uh, that I posted the other day, what Miyamoto Musashi said. And I think it, it applies to this. I'm curious to what you feel when I read this to you. The mm -hmm. true science of martial arts means practicing them in such a way that they will be useful at any time and to teach them in such a way that they will be useful in all things. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that and I want to go deep into that with you because as a martial artist, you got the chance to challenge yourself competitively uh, with your bullies and in your professional environment. And now when you're leading into a coach role that you have done for a while you also get to teach the things that are useful at any times and what i mean with that is something my father's taught karate for since 1977 i started yeah 1977 he started in 1973 and then he started his dojo in 1977 that's uh, 40 something years now and one thing that he got gets every week is an email a phone call from somebody that has created something good in their life, not necessarily being the best puncher and kicker, sure. uh, which that's, it's, it's awesome to win medals and become a good martial artist, but just having people that creating good lives and, and, and being able to use what you learn in martial arts in real life. So I'm curious kind of how has that been for you first as a practitioner yourself and then as a coach? There, you know, I the, as a practitioner, I understood that, when you go through a journey in martial arts, let's just say in my competitive pathway, yeah. um, there's so many lessons and blueprints and almost these neural pathways that you create in your mind that you have a formula for, for the rest of your life and every other facet of your life. Yeah. To endure tough circumstances or to prevail or persevere through other challenges, simply because you did this at this time. Yeah. And in the best example I have of that is that I... I made, I, you know, I, the very first year I went out for the U.S. national team, it was in 2007. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to put together, you know, almost through just good fortune and a little bit of luck, the right formula and people of, in terms of coaches, mindset, uh, experts, nutrition, and it all just fused together. And that became my team. Yeah. And I was fortunate to win the gold medal in my first attempt. And this wow. was in Birmingham, England. And then, you know, I... Not that I ever took it for granted, but I continued to work very hard. And then the next world championships that I competed was not until five years later in 2012. And it did not go as well. I lost in what I felt was a very, very close decision, but uh, it wasn't from, you know, and the quality of the opponent was very good too. Uh, he yeah. became the eventual world champion. He's a friend of mine today. To this day, he's from Argentina. But it really shook me because my only frame of reference prior to that was winning. Yeah. And now I've lost. And, you know, I was looking at it as, you know, a loss in the time, but what it turned out to be was the greatest gift ever, the greatest gift still to this day, that moment, I still remember the moment of the other guy's hand being raised and my hand not being raised and feeling that. And then knowing that it was over and I just put my head down 
And it was in the first round. So it's not like I even ended up with a medal. You know, I didn't even get out of the gates. And you do months and months of work, hours of sweating and time, and everything ends in minutes. Yeah. And there's a sense of like very powerful finality that comes with that, but such is life as well. And it does tie to that. But what happened in that moment then, and the gift of all of it was that I retooled myself. And I, I basically accepted the fact that, yes, I did everything in order to prepare for this. It didn't work out this time. But it's my chance now to basically summarize the narrative of what's going to be written about me in my own mind and in my, you know, in my own, in my own conscience, which is, did I just get lucky once? Or was I a one-hit wonder? Or do I really have staying power? Do I really have, because to do something great once in our lifetime is, of course, an amazing thing. Yeah. But sometimes that great thing happens at some intersection of preparation, meeting opportunity and seizing it. That's the definition of luck, as yeah. we say, it, right? There's no actual thing as luck. What luck is, is you were very prepared, the opportunity intersected and you seized it. That's your yeah. luck. So yeah. if we do something once, then perhaps it's lucky. Right. Or you were very fortunate. And we've seen that in sports. Tennis is a great example. There's so many people who won one Grand Slam. Yeah. And that's an amazing achievement. And it can never be taken away from them because they're written in the history books and in the in the uh, ledgers of those of those particular you know, events and tournaments in, in athletic history. But for those, the greats, you know, like the one that comes to mind, of course, these are the Roger Federer's or the Novak Djokovic. These are people that have continually done it. That means this was no mistake. This is truly greatness. So I felt like I wanted one more. Yeah. In order to really, you know, seal that. And so I was in debate about whether or not I would do it. I was also, you know, in life, like I was dating and I thought maybe one of these days I'll settle down. I won't have as much time for this. I might migrate into coaching. And then something just happened where I just saw it. Like, I think this is going to be an amazing opportunity. They announced that the 2014 World Championships would be in Rome. And Rome is like a very special city to me. But at that time, I had not been back in much in, in a very long time. And there's a story behind this. If you don't mind, I'll share it. I would love to hear it. Yeah. Why is like my best friend studied in Rome when we were in college and I went there and visited him and we were broke college students. We were literally, literally eating McDonald's every day, but we were walking like, you know, 50,000 steps. So it didn't matter. And then, but, and we slept in either hostels or we slept on the trains that we traveled all around Italy. In. And it was a, it was the time of my life, but, that best friend and I were in Rome and we were at the Colosseum and we said, you know, one day we're going to come back when we have money, when we're older, when we're married and we'll bring our families. But I lost that friend. He, I lost him to suicide just a few years after that. And I hadn't been back, but I remember that promise that we'd go back. So when they announced this world championships being in, in, in Rome, there was just this very strong feeling in me that I got that I said, okay, this is where everything comes full circle because I promised I would go back one day. I can do this in the memory of my friend and I can settle the score within myself that I belong, that I wasn't lucky once. And I, I went at it with such ferocious intent and just what turned out to be the most beautiful journey and dream ending for an athlete. And I knew this would be the last one, no matter what the result. And I made my peace with it. I said, I'll end on this note, but I'm not going to leave anything to chance. Everything that's within my my grasp or control, I'm going to put everything in it to prepare. I'm not going to go there and wonder, what if I'd done this? What if I'd done that? When I'm on the plane, I want to say, we've done everything. 80% of it's in our hands. As we know, 20% is just life and the universe sometimes that we can't control. But the 80% that I can control is a full locked 80% done. Then I have my peace. 
So I went and it was a dream ending. It was an absolute dream ending. I ended up winning and I, there were so many magical moments that I can't really describe, but that where I felt my friend with me because some song would come on. And of course, I haven't heard the song in 10, 15 years since his passing, but there he was, you know, with me. And there was all these moments. It was like just, it was, it was like a movie. But then when it ended, I finished and I felt like, okay, my, my chapter is complete. And I immediately got into coaching. In fact, I was actually the co-head coach of that world championships. They allowed me to be the coach and also compete, which was very stressful because yeah. I had to keep my head in both places. Think about my team and my athletes, but also focus on myself when the time was right. So it ended, but what it did, and the reason I went into that was we have these moments that we go through things in life. And as martial artists, they may be there for us as well, because martial arts is such a journey. It's such a progression and evolution. Yeah. But when it's all done, when it's finished, you've got a blueprint, you have a formula for the rest of your life. And I have tapped into that formula of succeeding, falling short, using it as a lesson or a catalyst, and then re-succeeding again and closing it and coming full circle on that. That formula I can apply to anything in my life. It doesn't matter what is it. So there's this, there's this neural pathway in my brain that no matter what circumstances come up professionally in life and health, family, whatever it might be, I know because of what I went through that if I commit and I systematically lay things out and I just focus on getting better every day, let's get better, one step better, one step better, and be kind to myself, that's a very important thing, that I'll get there. And I think that was to fully answer your question and bring it back full circle. That was, that was the gift in all of it and how it's basically, I've applied it in my life. That's beautiful. And uh, I'm glad you got to being able to honor your friend in this special city. And I'm curious because 2012, I became a world medalist in, in Sydney in, in karate. And one thing that I felt that whole week, I felt something special that I can't explain. And I know a lot of athletes and martial artists, they, they get that. Sometimes you don't know what it is, but you get that feeling that something special is going to happen. And I'm just curious, uh, did you feel that? And how can you try to explain that, uh, what that was? And I think for people that are listening now, you've had that moment in your life in something special. Maybe you don't recall it, but everybody who has done something that they are proud of for themselves, it doesn't have to be a world champion, but you have felt that way. And, and, and I know we all feel that as in special moments. So I'm, I'm curious, like, how was that feeling for you? Or did you even have that feeling? I had it. Absolutely. I almost got emotional with you just saying it because I remember it exactly. And I had it during that entire time there in Italy, because I think when our, it, it, it's, it's a, it's an energy quotient is really what it is. And for anyone to feel it and anybody can, but everything has to be lined up perfectly. Yeah. Your intentions for doing whatever it is that you're doing have to be very pure and for the right reasons. Yeah. Your preparation or time or dedication towards that moment needs to be in equality as well yeah. and equitable, like everything that you did for it. If it was a big moment, big moment, you needed to train big for it, you know, meaning that you showed that it's that kind of respect and that you yourself as a human being feel at peace in your own life at that present time. I think if you have that, and then you embark on something to where there's this opportunity or a big stage, which again, congratulations to you on that medal in Sydney, which is a beautiful thing. And you can relate to this. You feel something within you, like it's my day today, or I, I feel like something one amazing is going to happen today and very special. And I call it, I call it the zone. 
You know, like some people say, like when we look at some athletes that are in a zone, they cannot be rattled. They're locked in. Probably one of the greatest athletes or two athletes, you could say that whenever they got into zones, they could not be, you just saw it and you just said, this guy's not losing today. Yeah. And that would have been two basketball players like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. People see these guys as just these indomitable winners. Yeah. And yes, they are because of their ability, but the mental side and the energy, the energy quotient of what they had within them and that special feeling. Like, don't think for a second, despite their faces being so stoic and locked in, they weren't smiling on the inside like today, something special is going to happen. And then it would. And I think you can will these things to happen. So I absolutely felt it. I relate it because not everyone may do martial arts or ever feel that. But everyone knows who Michael Jackson is, despite what your feelings about the guy might be. And if we look back to that Billie Jean video, yeah. and there was those moments where there's this like where the ground lights up, like you, you're, you, you feel you're full of such magic that literally with each step, the floor brightens up. Each, yeah. each one of those squares were brightening up as he walked. Yeah. And that's what I felt like. I remember thinking that. I said, I feel like Michael Jackson. <laughs> really feel like, I really feel like everything I'm touching now is going to turn to gold because I just felt like I was in such a good place. So yes, it's a magical feeling. It's hard to capture. And everything has to line up perfectly, like I said. But when you have it, it's something you never forget. Yeah, and that's why I think if you're listening to this these are the moments in life. That's what makes life exciting. So if you're in a position now where you're not exactly where you want to be, be okay with that and be okay with moving in the direction because to reach these moments and pinnacles of life, that is different for everybody. And uh, you have to find what's important to you and don't chase. I was listening to a podcast with Eric Thomas today in the car and he, he said something, don't look in the mirror and reflect. Don't look out the window and look what the neighbor is doing and try to do the same thing because maybe that's not what you want. Yeah, look, so reflect and find a way what is important to you. And it's, you, I think success is much more than, you know, tangible things. It's who you are. And that's why martial arts comes so handy for us that does it. And I think everybody should at least meditate or try yoga if you don't want to do martial arts because it opens up so much in the space of yes. your mind. Yes. Uh, I want to ask you because 2007, you won 2012. You, you, you lost in the first round basically. And then 2014, you came back. So this is a seven, six to eight year span. I don't know exactly how much it, it's a long period of time and yes. you have to live your life during that time. You have to train, you have to do other things. And I know myself sometimes when, when I have lost and it, it's a long time until I get to, you know, be on that stage again. It's sometimes hard to believe in yourself. So I'm curious, like, how did this time, how did your life unfold during this time? How were you kind to yourself, so to speak? And how did you evolve? I focused, you know, I focused inward. To your point earlier about <clears throat> with martial arts and the beauty of it, and whether it's or what people anybody should do, whether it's meditate, yoga or something, it's all about introspection. And martial arts is such a gateway into introspection because it's just literally you versus you. Yes, we talk about these competitive moments, you know, with you at the, in the Sydney Games or any world championships, whatever it might be. These are competitive with against somebody else. Yeah. This, this is only literally 10% of the martial arts population in any given discipline competes at that kind of level or has the opportunity, which means 90% of the practitioners are simply doing the arts 
as if it was religion or they are just committed to doing it for fitness or because it just, they love it, whatever it might be. So in that situation, your only, your only competitor, the person you're competing with is the guy that you stare right back at in the mirror. It's just about you and getting better and being a different version and progressing that way. You don't have to compete or compare. So I'm really, really glad you said that, uh, that you don't have to compare with somebody else. And Peter, remind me then the question that you just asked, because I wanted to share that bit as you said it, but I want to yeah, make sure. Yeah, of course. So the timeline, it's such yes. a long timeline. So right. how did you how did like keep, work yeah. on that? And because sometimes, I mean, if you're a basketball player, you get the chance the next day. If you're in sales, you can do the next call. If you like a lot of times yeah. you get a new opportunity. If you fight with your wife, you can say, I'm sorry. Here it's like a couple of years until you get the chance to redeem yourself, so to right. speak. Well, it's a gift and a curse. Yeah. <clears throat> the gift of it is if it's channeled right, you'll use it as a way to continue to motivate you. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, like you've been, like you just don't get your next chance again for two years, but it needs to be burned into your heart and your mind that you never want to have that feeling again. And so you use that as motivation every time you contemplate, should I go to the gym today? Should I go to that workout? Should I attend this seminar where I could get better? Should I meet with this mentor so I can work on my mentality and my mental toughness? Whatever it is, you just use it as like, yeah, you know what? I need to because I remember that feeling. It's like I go to bed and I was consumed by it. I was very consumed by it. For two years, I thought every night, I, I don't even know if there was ever a night. <clears throat> I'm sure there was maybe one or two, but I just can't remember that. But I went to bed every night thinking about it, yeah. not in a negative way. It was just like, it was just on my mind, but I really categorized it as unfinished business. Yeah. It's unresolved. It's an unclosed, it's, a, it's an open loop that yeah. one day I will close. Yeah. So that's how I kept it healthy, right? I know like we're going to deal with this yeah. where it's present and it's on my mind and it's within me yeah. right now. Like I feel it all the time, but it's not consuming me. I needed to be healthy about that because otherwise it could take you down a real path of negativity, right? Because you can't do anything to address it. And therefore you're so obsessed with it. And that can lead to other unhealthy habits. So I was very focused with my work. I was very focused on, you know, my friendships and the relationships I had with people to continue to further them. I'm very close with my family, you know, my parents and my siblings and their children. So I spent a lot of time doing that. I was single, so I could do whatever. You know, I wasn't anchored anywhere. So I spent time working on me. I, you know, did a lot of work with my uh, mindset and uh, personal development coach who I've been with for 12 years during that time and uh, just focused really inward. But of course, like I said, it was always within me every day, but I just didn't let it consume me to a point of unhealthiness. I used it and channeled it in a way to fuel me. And I think that's what we have, what we have to do with disappointments. We can dwell on them and accept them as some type of verdict or an indictment on our lives. And that can be very depressing. And that's also negative. But I think with every loss, they're not losses or failures, right? And I'm not saying anything you don't already know or that your audience doesn't. Everyone has to look at losses as lessons yeah. or necessary moments in order to get better, right? So it's, it's not wins and losses, it's wins and lessons. Wins don't reward us, or sorry, wins don't teach us anything. They simply reward you for being prepared and seizing the moment. That's a win. You don't learn from a win. You learn from a loss because that's when you have to go to the drawing board and say, what could we have done different? Was I really prepared? Was I not? Could I have done this differently? And then we get better. We just get better and work at it. Yeah. When you win, you party. When you lose, you ponder. <laughs> That's even better. I love that one. 
How many views is that one? That's so good. I stole I stole it from Ty Lopez, I think. <laughs> Arjun, I have a question. Did people yeah. write you off during that time? Like yeah. because I I I've had that feel when I remember when I when I lost at the national championship once and everybody mm. thought I was gonna win, I lost and I didn't even medal. And I could almost see the happiness in other people's eyes that cared about me because okay, he's human because I almost always won. But right. for me, that lit a fire and I was like, I'm gonna just shut up and get to work. But it was also hard seeing that, especially when your friends are like, maybe you shouldn't do this anymore. So how how did that work for you? And how did you experience that? And how did you cope with that? I experienced the exact same thing, but I had to recognize. Again, this was a, 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 a situation where you want to channel it and use it in a healthy way. Yeah. But recognize that there's going to be a fine line there to where it could get unhealthy. Yeah. Most of the time when people that are close to us are looking at us that way, some of it is actually to protect us. They don't want to see you go back at it again and suffer that disappointment because yeah. they worry about how hard of a fall that is for you emotionally. Yeah. And I felt that with even some of my family members, you know, like, oh, you don't have anything to prove. Don't worry. You won before. You know, this one didn't go so well, but you still did so well. You were prepared. And that pisses you off, right? <laughs> when yeah, somebody's it you off because I think you're just telling me that to make me feel better. But yeah, I didn't that didn't sit well with me. Yeah. So and then, of course, there are people, you know, there that are, you know, we call them the haters in life, right? Like that. Yeah. Uh, they're like, yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, you were lucky the first time. And that's what I thought you weren't going to win. Those people I used, they helped fuel me. So I wasn't even angry at them. In fact, I yeah. thanked most of them personally afterwards. I said, you don't realize this, but you fueled me because yeah. you didn't believe that I could do it again. And I wanted in my mind to prove you wrong and you helped me. And then they were like shocked. They said, well, I, I, I they were embarrassed. But I said, no, 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 don't feel bad. Without you, I wouldn't have been able to do this. So thank you for doubting me. Thank you for looking at me that way. Thank you for casting some of those opinions on me when I didn't do well. Because if not for you, I may not have had the, the fuel and desire to do this in the way that I did. So, yeah, I had I went through exactly what you went through, Peter. I felt that, but I used it to motivate me. But I also recognized that there were certain people close to me. It's not that they wanted, you know, they didn't want me to succeed. They were worried about if I fell short again and what that might do to me. So they were, it was really to protect me more, which I understand and I appreciate and love them for it. But I was much happier to know that they can, you know, that they can they can accept the fact that, you know, it didn't fall short and that yeah. it ended on the note that it needed to end in. And therefore we, you know, we closed the chapter that way. And was that your last competition? That was my last. So I retired and I knew it. The, I mean, like I said, going to Rome, I knew win, lose or draw. I'm done here because I knew I wanted to get into coaching more. I also knew that professionally and personally in my life outside of Taekwondo, I need to create space for other things. Like I wanted to have my own family and I've lost many relationships along the way as a martial artist. And I think a lot of martial artists can relate to this who are very committed because they say that the martial arts is your significant other. And it's very hard for somebody else to feel important in your life. And I mean, and, you know, uh, respectfully so, because it is a tough thing for someone who doesn't understand the commitment to see that you dedicate so much time and energy towards this. And they say, well, hey, what about me? You know, like pay attention to me. So I knew that it was going to come time to turn the page on. It, and I just felt like this would be the perfect place to do it. So I knew going into it that I would, but yes, I, 2014 was where it all ended. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's a great, it must be a great feeling to 
finish on top, so to speak. How did that? Uh, how did that feel like? What happens after? So, what happens in your life after? I know now we're like eight years after you've been able to grow your business. You got married, right? Uh, like, just talk about like the first couple of months, and then like how did you channel that energy? Because it's almost like you know. I don't, I don't know how, how to explain it, but if you yeah. take a, a lion and, and put him in a cage, almost like, because you're so yeah. used to focusing on one thing for basically all your life. When we succeed, the society and, the, and, and what, we, what we've had ingrained in us wants us to believe that the thing you're supposed to do is start celebrating yourself. Yeah. And so people will do that. They'll honor themselves and party and continue to celebrate. And that's fine. And yes, everyone deserves that feeling to blow off some steam and enjoy and mark the moment. But it can also be a little bit of a trap of, you know, overindulging in yourself and not using this currency that you worked so hard to earn. And now you have it, not using it in a way to where there can be some transcending effect from it. So in, whether that's in your life or in your community or amongst your friends or in your business or everything around you, because when you finish something well, like when you won, you you recognized it. There's like a certain magic that's going to be around you for a bit, yeah. and you don't want to squander it or waste it. You want to you want to capitalize on it because you're clearly in a good headspace. You're clearly very positive and upbeat. Your energy is good. You're yeah. feeling more optimistic. You're happy. You're excited. Like your outlook is great, and all of those things are exactly what attracts good things into one's life. So if I squander that time by partying and doing this, um, that's fine, but I'm kind of wasting the time. So every time I've had something good, whether it was finishing one of my promotions for a rank, like, you know, the work that goes into that or winning, or even as I coach, like we just got back from Amsterdam yeah. for the world championships here in July and our men's team for the first time in U.S. history won the overall gold medal in wow. the team section. Oh, they wow. won the overall, you know, team gold medal which has never happened in the US. And it was our goal. We set this goal out many years ago and we've been trying and getting closer and closer. And then we finished it. And I told the, the, I told the gentleman, the seven members of the team on that afterwards, that you got something now very special like that you can use. And I want you guys to hold on to it. And I want you to run hard at the next chapter in your life and use this to propel you. You know, whether it's personally or professionally or whatever it is, don't just revel in your own success because it's so short-lived and you can waste it. And I've seen so many athletes do that. So many people that I've competed with or even coached, especially the younger ones, because they just don't know any better. So it's not their fault, but you know, we didn't necessarily maybe as coaches or, or as parents and mentors do a good enough job to help steer them on that path because they overindulged and they wasted it. And then subsequently other parts of their life did not take off, you know, because there's, there's success, but success with fulfillment is full. Success without fulfillment is really empty, right? Tony Robbins talks about this. Like people that went to the moon, do you have any idea how many of these people ended up depressed, alcoholic, suicidal, people that went on some of the very early missions to the moon? And people are like, how could they feel like that? They went to the moon. The problem was they went there. And then what is going to top that when they come back in their life? So because they didn't necessarily use it to continue to do other things or forward themselves in other aspects of their life, perhaps, nothing was ever going to top that moment. So it became depressing. And so that's, I think that's something that we all have to remember that success with fulfillment is, you know, is complete, but if there's no fulfillment there, it's, it's really empty and meaningless. Yeah. And, uh, 
what I'm trying to do with this show is to redefine success. And that's why I bring people from all walks of life. So I'm curious, like, what's your definition of success? It's continual improvement. It's evolution. That's what it is. I know that may sound cheesy to people, but if you look, life is tough, right? And in other, and, and in particular parts of the world, unless you've been living under a rock, if you're reading the news, life is extremely tough, extremely tough. So as human beings, if we're getting better every day and not regressing, but just getting better, even if it's a small bit, you're, this is success. Too often we identify or equate success as to material things or a certain dollar amounts that must be in our banks or achievements or material things, but that's not it at all. None of that stuff matters. And it goes back to the whole success uh, without fulfillment is empty, you know, uh, uh, argument I was making. So if we are, if we're making progress in our lives every day, I, I mean, you know, I don't, it's really not more complicated than that. To me, that is daily success. And if you stack days upon days upon days of this, yeah. you are a transformationally different human being in just short periods of time. Months turn into years, years turn into decades. And if you're building on that, that's the blueprint in life, I feel. And how do you, as, as a martial artist, a business owner, uh, a husband, how do you balance life and become better and a champion in this, these different areas? I, I, I think that like work-life balance, you know, the, this myth is nothing more than that. It, it's a myth. I think it's all like, you know, I think it's all BS. It doesn't exist. Anything that we want in life that is going to require extreme dedication or commitment is going to come at the expense of something else. It's just inevitable. There are only 24 hours in a day. Energy is finite. So if you're going for something, it's going to come at the expense of something else. Now, these are temporary pursuits. So when you do have it, then perhaps it flips. So what I find, the, the word that I like to use, and I use this with all of our athletes and tell them, is you want things to work. You want to be striving for harmony, yeah. which is that irrespective of things being imbalanced, it's all working. And there's an understanding behind all of that. Like, I understand that I'm going to have less of a social life because I'm training six days a week, including Friday nights in a gym when other people are out socializing and, you know, meeting friends and doing other things. I have to do this. So my social life takes a hit. This is the expense. I, this is the toll I have to pay. And I think, you know, with, with everything that we're doing, like as, as a father, I look at and as, you know, as a provider, like there's a lot of things I'm doing in my business that require so much bandwidth mentally, but I also know that I'm doing it for them. So yes, sometimes it comes at the expense of not getting home early enough to have dinner with my daughter, but I try and get back in time to make sure that, you know, I'm there for her bedtime. So I'll miss certain things, but I know why I'm missing it. I know what I'm doing because I know that it has to come at the expense of something. So there's going to be this imbalance and business, whatever it is. So I think for everyone, be kind to yourself that way, because if we, if we strive for this, there's a reason why it's a multi-billion dollar industry of books and podcasts and therapists that are trying to preach balance. It's not really balance. It's just harmony. You're trying to find harmony. Yeah. I mean, I think Oprah said it so well, you can have everything you want in life, just not at the same time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's it, so true. It, it's funny, but uh, the, the truth of the matter, I think as 
human beings and creating, striving for something, you know, extraordinary in life is also to know when to quit and when to move in that other direction. And I think for high performers, and I see this from interviewing almost 300 people, that that is the hardest point. And that's the small thing between having being successful as an athlete, business owner, and having a great marriage and being a great father, or just being number one in business or sport. So how do you know when to quit and when to move in that other direction? Because I think that's the question for people are listening here that are successful, that have, you know, a lot of opportunities and they don't know where, what direction to go in. Like if we want to go in detail on that, like how do you work with them? In terms of like figuring out where, when, when it's time, you know, you have this, you have something important in your business that you have to, you have to focus on for a certain amount of time. But at the same time, your daughter needs you now. Yeah. Like, and at this, like, these are the things that we're all struggling with, especially if you're a high performer. So how, how, how is your thought process going in those moments when you, you have those different things? It's, you know, it's, it's a lot of it is discipline and that maybe sounds, you know, oversimplified, but the reality is we have to be very disciplined. If we know that we get pulled in many different directions, which you as an entrepreneur and myself, like there's not one singular role or set of tasks for our day. We have to wear 10 different hats. We're going to be pulled in 10 different directions. And then there's the 11th direction that we don't even see coming. That's going to pull us. So how do you make any of that work? You recognize that when you try and put as much structure in your life and in your day and in your time for anything that you're dedicating to, that you commit to just that, try and, you know, try and be as distraction free as possible so that you can commit to it and do what's called deep work, even if it's for a short period of time, and then move on to the next thing and then get this thing done and then recognize, look, the priorities in all of this, like the family trumps everything. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how important these things are and they could be extremely important with deadlines like if i dedicated a certain time to getting them done whatever the family obligation must be met i deal with that and then if that means i sleep a little less to finish up some things i do it but i recognize the non-negotiable parts which is the family that's not to say that the family you know component of, of time there is not flexible sometimes like i said i get home a little later but i still don't negotiate with the fact that like it's still important and I have to dedicate to it because it is important. It's above everything else. Without that, I have nothing. Yeah. And then in the other areas, you know, trying to be as disciplined as I can. And we're all works in progress at this. I'm still working with it. I still struggle with it from time to time. Like it's, it's a constant. I think it's something that we're never quite yet done doing, but I think the key with all of it is being very introspective. If you can take some time at the end of every day or journal or whatever it is that you might do professionally and just take stock in what's working and what's not, because we have to, in order to evolve, we have to evaluate whatever we're doing. So if we're constantly evaluating it rather than just sticking with the same thing, hoping for a different result, then we can figure out some things, you know, like maybe if I, maybe if I didn't wait to work out towards the end of the day and I got up earlier and I got the workout done, I'd be more focused to get some harder things done. And that's going to free up more time at the end, like little things, just evaluate and figure it out where you can tweak it. And I think that's where you can get better discipline and better structure in your day and your life. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that we have to take the seriousness out of life is hard. Life could be serious, but like, like breathe and understand that this is a game. We have the opportunity. Like if you're watching this now, there's a big chance you're better off than 99% of the people in this world. 
So yeah. make sure to honor that and, and, and help others as well, but honor yourself in the way you carry yourself and how you show up in the world. Uh, I have a question, Arjun. What should I have asked you that I forgot? No, I mean, the questions and the things we've talked about have been amazing. I really enjoyed talking about this stuff. So I honestly can't think of anything else that you could have asked because these were these have been so you know, dynamic and, and thorough and, and I hope relatable, you know, to the audience, because again, people might say, well, you guys are talking martial arts, but I believe martial arts is life, like martial arts is culture. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I want to be careful to not say religion, uh, but there is that sense of community with it, you know, and it does apply to everything. So a lot of the principles that martial artists happen to be exposed to and experience themselves if they share them or teach them to others or apply it, you know, or pass it on to their children, whatever it might be, I think it's all meaningful. I think it matters. And uh, that I'm glad you asked things that you did because I, not only do I enjoy talking about them, but I think they're important for, for others to hear. And it's stuff that I share with my athletes and, and, the, and the guys, whether they're kids or adults that I coach and teach. Yeah. And I'm curious, Arjun, how, how do you work with goals? In your business, with your Both. clients, with yeah. your with your uh, athletes, with yourself. So goals, I feel, are it's very, you know, I'll I'll answer it this way and say I call it the New Year's resolution method. Yeah. The reason there's a reason why New Year's resolutions fail in large part. There's a reason why gym memberships spike because of new enrollment right after January first, but by March the membership levels reduced to normal levels like pre-new years yeah. it's because people don't stick with something because there just wasn't the commitment or the dedication or the or the the detail to process or commitment to process so a new year's resolution is written down on december 31st it's stuck in a drawer and then somebody pulls it out december 1st of that following year and they're like i didn't get anything you know i thought about these things but thinking about it's not enough like you have to commit so what we do with goals on our team and then what i try and do and i'm very i'm very diligent about this in a weekly on a weekly basis is break things down whatever the goal is you got your big picture goals you can draw big circles around them that's fine write that in i want to be you know 20 pounds lighter by this date I want to be, you know, I want to have this much more money in my bank account. You know, I want to invest in this by this time, whatever it might be. I want to win this world championship. Okay, great. That's the end game. Now let's go in, in, in using a tunnel exercise and go backwards through every single step of what it's going to take to get there and break that down. So it's so granular that you have now daily tasks and daily commitments that you can basically throw yourself at. And if you do that, you know, you've already created the formula for success without it even happening. You just wrote out, and sometimes this isn't something that we do ourselves. We need help doing it, whether it's with a coach or somebody that we're working with or a mentor to figure it out. And now you see it and you see all these steps. I mean, it's 50 things that need to be done. And here's my methods and my process I'm going to do. But if I commit to this and I focus on the process, the end result will take care of itself. So goals are end results, but they can't be a fixation. And we can't attach ourselves to those outcomes because then we miss everything in the middle, you know, like in my case, <clears throat> with the loss that happened, excuse me, in 2012, the end result was a loss. Yeah. But if I focus on only the loss, I lose everything that was in here, the journey getting there, and some of the circumstances I had to overcome personally and get and all the commitment and the, and the progress I made and improvement was a beautiful thing. Yeah, and that was my building block. So I think we set goals, 
but put them away and then start breaking things down to where you're not focused on the goals, you're focused on the task at hand, which is to get better with this thing or get better at that one thing or improve today. And then just keep doing it. And much like I said in the previous question you asked, you string all of that together, the end results will take care of themselves. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. One thing that I struggle with sometimes, Arjun, is that when I set a goal, I usually get to it and accomplish it, but I sometimes get consumed by it and work so hard that I miss out on something that might be better. Uh, so how have you experienced that and what type of advice would you want to give to people like myself that sometimes like we're when we decide on something it's almost like it's already done it's the way of Bushido right yes. but sometimes you might see another mountain that's actually better and my stubbornness sometimes gets in my own way of actually climbing that other mountain yeah no definitely I think I mean it, it's very easy to be consumed by these things but back to the whole martial arts uh, tenants in philosophy. I think if we're introspective yeah. and you take time to mark the moments of the progress and of the journey, then you'll slow it down just a little bit because it can be ever consuming. And that's fine in, in the pursuit. And maybe it's it's fueling you. It's continuing to motivate you and fuel you because you're obsessed. And it does take that type of obsession and mental acumen, strong acumen to get something. If you want to get something extraordinary, you're going to have to do some pretty extraordinary things, yeah. you know, that most people are not capable of doing. So to your credit, like you said, and how you get so consumed by it, that's a good thing. I think if you're channeling that and then, you know, like for me, what I just try and do is then just break things down and take a moment, whether it's an hour here, an hour there, or half a day here, that's part of your journey to where I'm just introspective about this. I would just want to stop and actually think. And, and take stock within myself. Maybe it's just meditating, whatever it is, and do that, then I think you'll, you'll kind of refuel yourself in a different way, but you won't allow this entire process to consume you. You need to be fueled by your process, yeah. but con being consumed by it can turn negative. So if you want to be consumed, but keep it healthy, then you need to acknowledge that this consuming is actually what's fueling you but it's not overtaking everything to the point where, like you said, you forget about everything else and you lose sight of everything else. I mean, yes, those things are going to take a hit, but I think, uh, I think just taking stock and being introspective and marking moments and taking the time, whether it's journaling, meditating, whatever it is, um, or just sitting in silence, whatever it is, just being introspective with yourself is the key. Awesome. Thank you. And final question for people. Thank you for still being here, guys. I know in today's day and day and age to ask somebody for an hour of their time, it's a lot. We don't take that lightly. We're super grateful that you're here. What's the first step that the listeners and people watching this can do right now to take action, to get a little bit closer to what, what they're dreaming about? Well, I think, you know, go to the New Year's resolution thing that we talked about. Everybody wants certain things. Yeah. So focus, so write those down. And then now take all of the now, now take those and shove them in the drawer. Don't have that pinned up on the wall. What you want pinned up on the wall or the fridge or on your phone as a daily reminder is everything that it's going to take on a daily basis to get you to that thing. Yeah. So figure out the things you want, then get with somebody and figure out or do it yourself. Do the work, right? It's it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed yeah. to be even figuring it out and planning it is supposed to be difficult. Yeah. And then start to break things down on a daily basis to help you get to where you need to be, whatever it is, whether it's a one month journey, a, a one year journey, a two year journey, whatever the, these things are that you want, figure out the steps to get it done and then just do it. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't be paralyzed by over analysis. Just do it. Yeah. 
Awesome. You just outlined the three steps I have in my book called the goal book on how to get uh, things done. It's, it's, it's not harder than that. And, and just, I want to end with a funny story. I, I, I go to the gym with my friend Victor and he had a conversation with his father the other day and he was asking him, how is it going in the gym? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting stronger, everything except legs, except for squats. And his father asked him, okay, so do you increase the weights? Long silence. <laughs> no. <laughs> so a funny story. Uh, the truth is some, the, the truth and the answer are a lot of times much simpler than we think. Yes. So don't overcomplicate things. Don't overthink. A lot of times the answers are right in front of you. Uh, Arjun, if people want to connect with you, work with you, uh, how do, what's the best way? The best way for me is on Instagram because my personal brand and profile, which is at Arjun Mortgage, A-R-J-U-N and then the word mortgage all yep. together, uh, is where I have all my financial literacy work that I do with people around, you know, debt instruments such as mortgages. Yeah. And then also the martial arts and mindset approach and, you know, personal development and achievement is all fused together because my role as a coach and as an advisor are effectively the same thing. The same thing. So that's yeah. where I would say to connect with me because I spend so much time on there and I love to connect with people, so reach out and uh, I, you know, and and let's build some more community and and help each other. Thank you so much, and uh, I want to thank every each and every one of you that are here with us, listening to this show. I hope you enjoy the show. Hope you got some value. I would go back and listen again. I think there's a lot of value here. I personally learned so many things. So I'm so grateful that we we made this happen. If you enjoy the show. Please share it with somebody who needs to hear this message. Give us a review and just reach out to me as well and let me know what, what's going on in your life and what you're struggling with and how you want to you know, get better. I'm happy to connect with each and every one of you. And uh, the reason why we're doing this is, is to help. So thanks again. And I'll see you guys next week.